glad to have you all here. What a, uh, a great and glorious Sunday it is to worship the Lord, and I trust that it'll be a blessing being here and also hearing his word. Probably everybody is familiar with Pilgrim's Progress, that great allegory written by John Bunyan. Well, in there, the characters Piety, Prudence, and Charity were sent to Christian to have discourse with him about victory in the Christian's life, the Christian's life. And it reads this way. Then they read to him some of the worthy acts that some of his servants had done, how they had subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turn to flight the armies of the enemy. The next day, they took him and had him go into the armory, where they showed him all manner of equipment, which their Lord had provided for pilgrims, as swords, shield, helmet, breastplate, Shoes that would not wear out, and of all prayer. And there was here enough to this to harness out as many men for the service of their Lord as there be stars in the heaven for multitudes. I mention this because we have really completed our study on the armor of God. Now, some include prayer as a piece of the armor of God. We'll discuss that in just a moment, but prayer is next. This is what we're going to discuss. And it is interesting that Pilgrim's Progress calls it all prayer, which is exactly what I have called it, and that's what this sermon is entitled, All Prayer. And we'll explain that in just a moment. But just to say that in this verse, verse 18, and I invite you to turn in your Bibles there to Ephesians 6.18, four times, four times the word all is used. And so it becomes all prayer. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I think there is so much involved in this particular verse. I think there is the connection with the armor of God. I think there's the connection with prayer and spiritual warfare. And that on top of the prayer is our communion with you. And we ought to always be praying, praying without ceasing. And we need to pray for all of the saints. Thank you for this admonition in your word. And now, Father, would you understand or have us understand it so that we put it into practice, Lord. And we put these things in our life to an even greater degree. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you see in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it comes right after the armor of God. And you remember, we've been going through the armor of God with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the shoes, the feet shod with the gospel of peace, and then the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. These are all metaphors for the character, the spiritual character that we are to have in our life at all times. To live the Christian life, but also to be victorious in what we know is spiritual warfare. This chapter has also told us about that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities and powers. There is indeed a spiritual warfare going on, but because we are the Lord's, and because we, he has saved us, and because he's given us a new nature, and because we can put on the armor of God, we can have victory. If we also have all prayer. It's not enough just to put on the armor. We need to be involved in prayer. So let's discuss this just for a moment. Let's just discuss, is prayer a piece of the armor? Well, I'd have to say no, because technically all the other pieces were assigned to a Roman soldier's armament. This is assigned to nothing. This is not assigned to any Roman soldier's armament or any of the pieces, so it's no. But it is connected to it. It very much is connected to it in the context, in the grammar, and in just really spiritual reasoning it is. And one of the things that I've seen from studying this is if you notice what your version says there, uh, perhaps similar to the NASB that I'm reading this morning, Ephesians 6.18 begins with all prayer. And so that suggests with that preposition that it's, it's connected to what was previously done, previously said, previously put on, the armor of God. It's connected with that. And as you're reading it literally in the Greek, it would be with all prayer, or even Lenski said, by means of all prayer. So you have this put on. We said you don't ever take it off, but you do maintain it with prayer. With all prayer and petition. And then what you see in the NASB and other versions, it almost looks like a command, but it's a participle. And sometimes participles can be commands, but the idea is, is that you are to maintain all of this with all prayer by, while at the same time, praying. That's what that participle does. It's continuous there. It's at the same time. So it's connected to something while praying at all times in the spirit. And in regard to the same and to this view, we have another participle. Whereas in the NASB, it would look like a command, and I have no problem with that. But literally, it's a command, a participle that says, being while being on the alert in all perseverance and petitions concerning all the saints. One writes this, although prayer is not one of the pieces of the whole armor of God, yet Paul closes his list by saying, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Even when you are clothed with the armor of God, you need to bathe it in all prayer. Prayer brings you into communion and fellowship with God so that his armor can protect you. Also, too, what is interesting, you do remember that we ended up in verse 17 with talking about the sword of the Spirit. And I believe here he's now talking about praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We'll mention that in just a moment. Let me go just a little further in this introduction of prayer being connected, prayer maintaining Prayer does maintain the armor. When you look at the way that it's said in the Greek, you're not supposed to put it on all day or, or, or every day. You're supposed to put it on and keep it on. But you can sharpen your sword. You can maintain these things. And I think that's what we have here. In other words, let's say that as a believer, we've come up against a situation. We have to do what's right. We have the breastplate of righteousness. But in order to do right, we're full well aware that there's going to be some consequences and some that are going to be dire consequences because we're going to do what's right. Well, you keep the breastplate of righteousness on 
and you pray that you maintain it. You pray about these things before they happen. But we are indeed to pray, and the gist of this is with all kinds of prayer, at all times, for all things. We ought to be praying all the time. So this is in the context of our spiritual warfare and armor of God. So definitely do it for that. But for everything else, we ought to be praying all the time. Prayer does have a part in spiritual warfare. As Barry read this morning from Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46, I think there are a few examples there of not only Jesus' prayer, but prayer in the midst of spiritual warfare. Now, when we observed Jesus praying in the garden... His soul was deeply troubled, even to the point of death. And we may or may not say that that is spiritual warfare going on. However, we do know in Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium, the first mention of the gospel, it says that Satan will bruise his heel, but he will bruise Satan's head. Meaning that, yes, there will be a crucifixion. But through that crucifixion, because it was the will of a sovereign God, the devil's works will be destroyed by the work of Christ on the cross. So this is moving up to the cross, and Jesus' soul is in great grief. And I, I don't think it's necessarily because of the pain that you're going to experience with crucifixion, which is the most pain that you could ever experience. It takes you at the point of death, but does not allow you to cross the threshold but rather the fact that the sins of the world were going to be placed on him. And he would, in fact, have the displeasure of the Lord at that moment as he was bearing the sins of all mankind. And by the way, as as difficult as that sounds, that is the great news. That is the same as I love to tell the story. That's what this story is about, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It's not the good things we do. It's not that we can do anything to remove our sin. We can't. Our sin is is but filthy rags. Our our righteousness is but filthy rags. But only the death of Christ and our faith in him alone. And so I trust that's a reality for everyone here today. But anyway, he prays and he prays three times in the grief of his soul. And then we find out that he comes back to the apostles, uh, the disciples at that time. They became apostles. And he said to them, after rebuking them for falling asleep, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Now, we would associate temptation with the realm of spiritual warfare. You could fall into temptation. In fact, Jesus had already told them that they were going to fall into temptation, especially Peter. And so what is added here when we have spiritual warfare? Certainly there's the armor of God from Ephesians 6, but also prayer. That's what puts it all together. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. And then, of course, even before this, Jesus had an opportunity to talk to Peter about this very temptation And he said this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. And there's the prayer in connection with spiritual warfare. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, noting his failure and his rejection of Christ, strengthen your brothers. Jesus had prayed for him. That was part of Jesus' prayer time that he prayed for Peter knowing this was going to happen. So prayer is indeed a part of spiritual warfare. So it fits perfectly here. Now I do know that Paul's going to kind of segue to some other topics, but what a brilliant segue because it does apply to the armor of God and it's going to apply to what else he's going to talk about. Well, let's move on with the text now. So we know that prayer is not a piece, but it's connected. It maintains 
our armor. We know that we are to do it. Let's talk about this. It begins with the phrase, with all prayer and petition. The understanding of this is those are two different words, even in the Greek, and two different types of prayer. And it's as if he was saying from A to Z, all the types of prayers from A to Z. That's what we have. And I want to talk about just some of the types of prayer. I don't want to spend a, a lot of time on it, but on types of prayer that Scripture gives. And one of them is this first word, prayer. The second one is this word, petition. But going to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we see the addition of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is part of your prayer. It's a thanksgiving prayer, and it ought to be always added. And then there's something, a term that he calls request. So let's just quickly turn to Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And this is just talking about the types of prayer. This is the idea, every kind of prayer. Now, we might, in our own minds, we might be thinking, well, this is an emergency prayer. Help! You know, I didn't even take time to address him as God. Help! Or it may be a prayer before you eat a meal, which is a great thing to do as a family. It, 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 first of all, you ought to be thankful for the food and thankful for it was provided. But it's a time that you are also giving God recognition of being in charge and providing all things. And it's a wonderful tool to help your children learn prayer. And then prayer in any other times, like before you're about to come into a trial, you know it's not going to be well. It never was well before, but you want it to go well now. And so with prayer, you go before the Lord or temptations or any of those things. Or let's move it to beyond that. What about someone who's asked you to pray for them about a particular situation? What if someone has said, look, I'm going to have a situation tomorrow and I don't know how it's going to go. Would you pray for me? Would you pray with me? So those are all types of prayers. But the Bible does have different words for them. So as we look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by, and here we go, prayer, that's one, supplication, that's two, with thanksgiving, that's three, let your requests, that's four, be made known to God. And then look at the wonderful promise in verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's just quickly look at them. The first one is prayer, prosuke, prosuke in the Greek. It, it, It stands for general prayer, Uh, When a believer goes before the Lord, um, and it could be, in in fact, prayerful worship before the Lord. Um, But it's broad enough to include just about all the other types. Uh, There's verses in the Bible where it talks about prosuke with requests and prosuke with tribulation that you're going to face. And even intercession for others talking about prosuke. Now, one of the interesting things about this word here, prasuke, is it also used to be a place. So the Jews had the idea of prayer ingrained in them so much that not only did they pray three times a day, that's what they were supposed to do, but they had a place of prayer. And what do you think they called that? The prasuke, the place of prayer. And we certainly see that in several verses in the book of Acts Uh, Acts chapter 16, 13, don't turn there. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a prosuke. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. So it it covers it all, but it's it's certainly an idea of going to him, going before the Lord. The next one that we see in... Philippians is the word supplication. Same Greek word as our word in this text, petition, deasis. It's the same Greek word. And supplication helps explain it. You have a supplication, and it's the idea that there's emotion involved, not just a prayer, a humdrum prayer, but this one, this, this is important. You've got to get this one. It's a specific or urgent plea to meet a need, 
exclusively addressed to God. That's a petition. So whether just general prayer or an urgent prayer, pray at all times with all of these prayers. And then there's thanksgiving. There is a thanksgiving prayer, and I don't mean just a formality with the words, but I mean there, there, it is a part of prayer. Um, Eucharistia, it means that thanksgiving ought to always be included in our prayers, no matter what. Why? Because number one, God is sovereign. It may look bad, but God is sovereign, and I'm thanking him for his sovereignty, that he's going to work all things out together for good. We're told in Philippians to rejoice, rejoice always in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Don't you know what I'm going through? Because God is sovereign and there ought to be that joy and that thanksgiving. But I think in this context, it's the believer's gratitude to God for, first of all, their salvation. I just, I, it's just hard for me to pray without thanking God or my salvation, and I know you feel the same way. But thanking God also that he's listening to our prayers. If this is a serious prayer regarding temptation or spiritual warfare, thank you, God, for listening. You know, sometimes you'll hear some people who who don't quite know or understand uh, God's relationship with his children. They'll say, well, I just didn't want to bother God. No, the fact that you don't go to him in prayer, that bothers God. Going to him does not bother him. That's what he wants. In fact, I I believe that even sometimes difficulties are brought into your life. So you do prayer because he hasn't seen you lately. It's like the illustration of over there in Africa, there were some converts. And, of course, there in the jungle, they had specific places that they would go and they would pray. Well, after time, there was a path. They made a path by walking to the same place, to their own personal particular place of prayer. Well, if for some reason they have gotten out of the habit of prayer, one of the other believers would come up to you and say, or say to them, Brothers, the grass is growing up over your path, meaning you need to get to the Lord. You need to, to get to the Lord. And so we're thanking him for listening to our prayers, and then... We've got to make sure we're thanking him for answering our prayers. That's terrible. We ask him and we pour out our hearts and, oh, yeah, well, God was probably going to do that anyway. Don't ever digress to that. He doesn't have to do anything. He's God. But when he does it, we need to thank him and answer prayer. But also, too, we need to thank him in regard to spiritual warfare for keeping us safe. You know, I think heaven is going to be a time of testimony testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ of how many times he protected us throughout this life. We might have had, we might have no idea that Satan wanted to sift us like, sift us like wheat, but so many times he has protected us and he helps us with the armor of God. And of course, all of this is put together with prayer. So that's the gist of it with all types of prayer, prayer and petition. And then he says, Pray at all times. It is to be continuous prayer. Pray at all times, just like the believers there in the jungle of Africa. Don't let the grass grow up on your path. And it ought to be at all times. You, you, would, you would think of the situations of every situation in your life should be prayed about, whether small or great. We ought to be praying to him about all things. It ought to be we're praying to him every time there's a temptation before there's a temptation. We ought to be cognizant of spiritual warfare. And I even believe that as you're talking with individuals, you're thinking either jotting down, boy, I need to write this down and pray for them about this, or even praying for them right then and there and making sure you pray for them afterwards. I mean, this is what we are to do. Pray at all times. It's not a piece of the armor, but it keeps the armor on. It maintains the armor, and it's so needed for the armor. So this idea, since, since uh, praying is a participle, a present participle, it's continuously, continuously. We also know that the Jews 
had three times a day that they prayed, and you just hope that it didn't become for formality to them, probably did. But for us, what, what does Paul say for us? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Come up in my office, I have a jar. And there's, there's, there's suckers in the jar. You can have a sucker if you can say a verse. You can't say Jesus wept, okay? All right, you can't say that. But you can say this one, three words, pray without ceasing. Got to tell me where it is, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing, which means to have a frame of mind where you're, you're constantly have this open communication with the Lord. Maybe there's times you can't. Now, the brain surgeon who's doing surgery on our brain, I want to pray before, and I want him to pray before, and after. But while he's doing it, I do want him to pay attention. In fact, I don't want to hear that in the middle of it, oops, we have a problem. We better pray about this. You don't want to hear that, okay? But the idea is I know we get preoccupied with things, and some things are very, very important and need and uh, have our full attention. But it's the first moment we get, we ought to just have this open communication with the Lord, this fellowship, but also with the view that there's spiritual warfare always going on. Things need to be prayed about. People, we need to pray for people to come to Christ. We need to pray for people to grow in Christ. Pray at all times. And this is what we are to do. Now, if you're paying attention, you're realizing that there's a phrase that's connected with it. Yes, pray at all times, but pray at all times in the Spirit. Now, some people take this as the human spirit, small s, pray with the human spirit. I I don't. For one thing is that goes without saying. That would be like saying, well, we want you to really make a plea to God with your spirit wholeheartedly. Well, that goes goes without saying. Uh, I I think this is the the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things, uh, just, just for those who've dabbled in Greek or taken a Greek class, the, there's no article before the word pneuma. And so that could suggest it was the human spirit. But there's times when there is no article before pneuma, and it's particularly the Holy Spirit. That shouldn't give us a problem. Don't go there. Ephesians 2.22 says, In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, not our human spirit there. And as I said before, I believe that this is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was just mentioned. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And now we are to carry that into our prayer. Pray in the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, uh, one thing it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean to become all emotional. Neither does it mean to to pray in tongues. That's not what it means. Rather, it would mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that at length in Ephesians 5.18. It would mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we pray in concert with the Holy Spirit in regard to God's will. One writes, to be filled with the Spirit and to walk in His leading and power is to be made able to pray in the Spirit because our prayer will then be in harmony with His. And connected with this point is the next point, the Spirit's intercession. One of the great things that we learn about uh, in regard to prayer is that the Lord Jesus Christ is interceding for us right now while on the right hand of the Father. But the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us. And I would like you to turn there. Would you turn to Romans chapter 8, and let's look at verses 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26 and 27. And this is part of it. I I believe what it means to pray in the Spirit. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. 
for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You get the idea that the Holy Spirit is encouraging us how to pray as we study the word of God, as we know the mind of God, as we know what God is doing. Uh, we're able, but, but there's just times when we don't know. We don't know exactly what God's going to do. So in that case, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. But watch this. Look at verse 27. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's it. Our prayer to pray in the Spirit is to pray in concert with the Spirit for the will of God. For the will of God. And, and sometimes the will of God is a difficult thing, but there's two things about the will of God that you should never have a problem with. And God is always at work doing this, bringing people to himself, bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ to place their faith in him. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I trust you as my savior. God is always doing that. And so we ought to be praying for people who've never trusted Christ. And then once you are a believer, we're praying for them to grow. We're praying for them in their spiritual warfare, but we're always praying. So we know uh, these are two of the main things of God's will always. He's working all things together for good, no matter what it looks like. So we're praying in the spirit, being filled with the spirit, yielded to the spirit, yielded to his word, knowing what the will of God is from his word. And we're praying in concert with that. That's what it means to pray in the spirit through his power and through his influence. So we're, we're making our way through this now, aren't we? So we've got so far, with all prayer and petition, all kinds of prayer, pray at all times. We need to constantly be praying, pray in the spirit. And it, and it, it is the idea of not rote formulas, saying that's why we don't say formula prayers here in this church. We don't do it every week. We, we don't do it at all. Because that's not what is meant. It's, it's, it's a spiritual prayer. It's a prayer from the heart. It's a prayer to God. It's a prayer for God's will. Well, he moves on from there and he says, and with this in view, the, uh, with this in view that we're praying at all times in the spirit with all kinds of prayer, he says, with this in view, the sa- with, with the same thing in view, the NIV goes on, or the NASB goes on to say, be on the alert, or being on the alert. We need to have prayer on the alert. So prayer connected with the armor, prayer of all types, prayer at all times, prayer in the spirit, and now prayer on the alert. We need to be alert. The word alert is a group neo, and it literally means to be awake. So the idea is um, you, you might be awake, but you're not paying attention. That's how most accidents happen, <laughs> okay? Um, but but, the, but it, you, it does mean literally sometimes in the Bible to be awake. Um, but the idea is be awake spiritually of what's going on. Look out for things and be watchful. For things. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the labor in they labor in vain who build it, unless the Lord guards the city and the watchman keeps awake. In the New Testament, Jesus said, But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. So be on the alert. The idea is, I'm going to make a bigger point, but let me make the smaller point. But the smaller point is a big point. And it is we ought to be on alert for our own spiritual lives. Now, if you've read the rest of this, it's going to talk about you need to be alert for others. We're going to go there. But it would go without saying, if you're not watching for your, your own life, your own Christian life, what good is that? And so we need to be alert. We need to take inventory. We need to take inventory of our spiritual lives. And and we don't want to become OCD in the sense that we're always worried, always worried, always worried. But we need to be at a place where we are 
keeping an eye on our own pathway to see if grass has grown up in our prayer path. So let me ask you a few questions. Are there times when your spiritual life is not as vibrant as it ought to be? And the answer should be yes to all of us. If not, I'd like to meet you and shake your hand. Then pray. That's what you're supposed to do. Be on the alert for what? Don't just find out about it, but now do something about it. Pray. So if your life isn't as vibrant in the Christian life as it ought to be, if you, if you think you're waning a little bit, or if, you're, if you realize you're backsliding or backslidden, you better recognize it, and sometimes it takes the Lord or another brother to bring you to that realization. Well, what's the solution? Pray about it. Other times when your attitude needs adjusting, again, we would all, myself probably especially included, yes, then pray. Pray about your attitude. And that's the problem. Sometimes we just go on with the attitude, you know? We go on with the attitude. And it goes on all day. Sometimes it goes on for days. And we're, you, you, no, have a Christian attitude. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. Put those things away. Do not grumble. Do not complain, it says in Philippians. That's a command. So if I'm grumbling, if I'm disgruntled all the time, you know what? Somewhere there could be a kink in my armor. Somewhere there's a kink in my theology. Somewhere there's a kink in my practice. And what do we do? Pray about it. Lord, I'm sorry. Help me not to. And then you come into a situation where where your attitude always gets bad anyway. Lord, please, not this time. Please, Lord, not this time. There was a woman who, who had a problem with anger, and she really sought the Lord in prayer about this and she, she claimed the verse, these Egyptians you will see no more. And it really did help her in her life in overcoming anger. Are there times when you are facing increased trials or temptation? Yes, yes. And, and one of the things that's amazing is as bad as things are and as much as spiritual warfare goes on, there's a lot of blessing in the spiritual Christian life, right? I mean, the joy of the Lord is our strength and and sometimes we, we just find this peace and rest, but not always, because there is always a spiritual warfare going on. And when we find ourselves facing increased trials or in the midst of a trial and not doing so well in that trial, have you experienced that? And we, don't, we may pray before, but then we get in the trial, we're not doing so well. We go, that's when you go back up to number two, adjust your attitude, pray. Well, or temptation. Everybody has temptation, and everybody has particular temptation. Some some things bother others more than other believers. Know what yours are. Be on the alert for your spiritual life. And then, are there times when your life is under the attack of Satan? I've been talking with you folks from time to time. I'll hear, you know, certain situations where you'll go, this definitely is spiritual warfare. It, it's so out of the norm that you're saying, man, this is spiritual warfare. What do you do? You pray. Pray at all times. And prayer is to be on the alert. Pray for the alert that you do something about it. Now, we're going to go to the next part where we're to pray for the saints, for others. But we're not there yet. So the NASB says, be on the alert. And then it says, with what? With all perseverance and petition. So he's taking you right back to prayer. But he does have, he does have this addition of the word perseverance. And I do want to talk about that for just a moment. This word for praying with perseverance. This is a very unique word. It's one of my favorite words. This word is from proskartoreo. And that means to continually be devoting yourselves to something. I'm going to take a look at a couple of verses just to show you. But this word for perseverance here. This is proskartoresis, 
and it means to be steadfastly attentive unto something. It means to give unremitting care to a thing. It means to be steadfast. It means to be devoted. And what I find so fascinating about this word is many, many times in the New Testament, it's connected to prayer. As prayer and being committed and devoted continuously go hand in hand. For instance, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, this is before the Holy Spirit came in chapter 2. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit as, as Jesus had instructed them. What were they doing? These all, this is both men and women, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. And by the way, that's the word, proskartorel. You can't just say are committed. You have to say continuously because it's usually a participle or a verb that has a continuous tense to it. And then you have to put the I-N-G on it, devoting. You're continuously devoting, okay? You're not doing that with the armor of God. The armor of God put on, stays on, but your prayer is continuous, continuously. These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And this is why we can pray together, men and women, at our times of prayer. Now, after they received the Holy Spirit, the church started to do what the church was supposed to do. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is how it begins. And they were continually devoting themselves to, and then there's a little list. But there's that word. You, you, have, you have to say more than one. You have to say it's continually, and you have to say it's devoting. This is what they kept doing. By the way, I love this because we know what the early church did. What did they do? First of all, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word of God. That's why we do it here. And to fellowship. And to the breaking of bread. And to, you guessed it, prayer. So this word, perseverance, proskartoreo, is connected with prayer. Now the elders, this is always a good reminder for us elders. In Acts chapter 6, verse 4, they use the word. It said, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We are to be continually devoted and devoting ourselves to the study of the word and to prayer. We ought to be praying. Of all, of all the people, it ought to be us elders that are praying for everyone in this congregation. And when we get together, we do. We do go through a list and, and we, if there's major things, we pray about them and Plus, the fact, really, we ought to be doing this daily in our own lives anyway. And, we, and all believers ought to do this, whether you're an elder or not. In fact, don't wait till you become an elder to start doing it. One of the qualifications is that you're a man of prayer. But it's not just men, but what about women, too? I mean, women of prayer. And you know what? For some reason, this seems to resonate with women a little better. I, 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 I know that... There was a time in my life when I backslid, not while I was pastor. <laughs> this was before I became a pastor. And after the Lord brought me back, it was one of the things that kind of moved me forward toward the ministry. But while I backslid, my wife was faithful to church with the kids and to prayer. Prayed for me. And she even prayed about that the fellow that I was hanging around because we can hunt on Sundays and I'm out there hunting on Sundays rather than going to church, she prayed that God would remove him and she did. He doesn't live in Wyoming anymore. So I appreciate women and the prayer warriors that you are. You, this seems to be, there just seems to be a, a better connection. Not, not always, not necessarily, but, but I've, I've found that, you know. And then Paul just in general admonishes the church with his, you know, when he gives us barrage of little instructions and he'll many times bring this out about being devoted in prayer. Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation. Oh, and devoted to prayer. And there's the word. And then of course we have Colossians chapter four, verse two, where he says it to the church of Colossae, devote yourselves to prayer. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. 
Isn't that interesting? So we're seeing the word alert. We're seeing other types of prayer. That's what really we're, we're finding out so much here in just this verse 18. But it also is intercession. We too ought to be interceding for others. And, and that's, I, I think that's really what this part of the text says. The first part of the text, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Okay, so you would think to yourself, you know, that's why I got to make sure that I'm sharpening my own sword, I'm maintaining my own armor. And then this next part, and with this in view, the same, on the same vein, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And now we're praying for others, intercession. So I think we can ask the same question. And... Do we ever notice a brother's spiritual life not as vibrant as it should be? Sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's just normal life. Sometimes all you've done is help your family unpack and you're tired. That doesn't mean that you're not spiritually vibrant. It just means you're physically tired. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. And sometimes we notice that. And, 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 and sometimes we'll say something and sometimes not. But one thing we should always do is pray. So do we notice that in someone else? Is there another brother's attitude that needs adjusting? We should pray. Is there another brother who is facing increased trials or temptations? And we'll hear about that. Come to the men's breakfast and God just has blessed that ministry among other men's ministries here that they have Thursdays for men as well. But it's so good because those are times that you are sharing that and we hear it about the trials, the temptations. Well, why do you think they're telling us? So that we would pray, and that's what we ought to do. If another brother's spiritual life is under the attack by Satan, we ought to pray. And we just ought to assume that that's happening a lot because that's, that's what Satan is doing. And then, even if we don't perceive anything, we should still be petitioning God for all saints. Pray that things don't happen. Pray that spiritual things do happen. Pray that there's growth. Pray that there's unity in the church. You bet. We're praying. You should pray at all times for this. Now, a little caveat here I want to say, and that is, I'm not saying being, be the church police. As soon as, as soon as you see something, you know, right away you go, go talk to them. Uh, you, you, you might, but you might not. But here's my thought. Pray about whether you should talk to them or not. There's sometimes when you've talked to people quite a bit and you've talked to them enough, and now it's time to get the big guns out. Let's go pray about it. You should be praying anyway before that. So in other words, we're not being the church police. We're doing this to help one another. And many times we'll see something and it doesn't need to be brought up and we're praying for them anyway. Even if we don't know anything, we ought to be praying for them anyway. But we should pray for them and possibly pray about whether we should say something. And you know what? Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. But all times pray. And and keep this in mind. Remember this. Spiritual warfare is won by putting on the armor of God, keeping it on, and praying. Now, there are times that we talk. There are times that God uses us. But As we read in Scripture, that's what we're reading. Spiritual warfare, put on the armor of God. There's nothing in there about the mouthpiece. Okay, He doesn't say put on the mouthpiece of God. We put this on, we put this character on, we're praying for one another, and then this way the church is being built up, other believers are being built up. But again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you don't ever say anything. I'm not saying that either. There's There's a time for that. But ask God, for the wisdom. But in this idea of praying for one another, for all the saints, one writes, the Christian's prayer is unselfish. He does not think only of himself. And I want to stop here. I, I, I think we do need to think of ourselves. I think we do need to pray about our own spiritual life. If, if we're not living for the Lord, we're, we're no good for others. So we do need to do that. And he's saying that directly. He does not think only of himself. So you do think of yourself. But he prays also for the welfare of others. His fellow soldiers need help too. 
he says, we are all fighting together in one army against one common enemy. Is that not true? Well, one writes this. In his Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan tells of Christian's weapon called all prayer, which, when everything else failed, would enable him to defeat the fiends in the valley of the shadow. Prayer is the closing theme of Ephesians. And though closely related to God's armor, it is not mentioned as a part of it because it is much more than that. Prayer is not merely another godly weapon, as important as those weapons are. All the while that we are fighting in the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, we are to be in prayer. And I'll quote with this last comment. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees praying for all prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that it's not only told us what the pieces of the armor are, make sure they're on, make sure they stay on, but now, Lord, prayer. So it's the, it's the soldier all fitted with the armor of God on his knees with his head bowed praying. May we be those Christian soldiers, Lord. May we be in prayer, in all types of prayer, at all times, praying in the Spirit, not only praying for ourselves, but also especially praying for others and those around us. Lord, thank you that you have given us the true biblical instruction in how to be victorious in spiritual warfare. May, may this be our marching orders, and may we look for no more, and we'll thank you In Jesus' name, amen.